Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. The Breakfast Brief on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. I'm Elliot Danker. It's time to take a look at some of the top market moving headlines that investors will be paying attention to. What kind of implications are we looking at? And helping me out this morning is Jeremy Tan, CIO of Tiger Brokers Singapore. Good morning, Jeremy. Morning. Thanks for waking up so early to help me out with this one. Everyone is preparing for the U.S. inflation numbers, CPI data that's due to be reported tonight. Uh, it seems that we got that last bit of a rally on Wall Street in the lead up to it. Everyone is expecting inflation to show that it's cooled. What's the outlook for you? Yeah, sure. In terms of the U.S. headline inflation, we do think that it's going to start to slow with this latest print tonight. Uh, U.S. CPI is going to expect to be uh, re- to see uh, actually an inflection point from a positive month-on-month growth towards a negative print on a month-on-month growth. And this is basically driven by the correction of energy prices. And some indications that we have seen that the overall supply chain bottlenecks have also started to ease in terms of the moderating freight costs. I think we can see that, uh, you know, the continued print of a 6.5% year-on-year growth in terms of headline inflation, I think some key factors of inflation continue to stay sticky in terms of shelter costs, food costs. I think this will mainly be the key drivers of that high headline inflation or the core inflation. I think the tight labor conditions are also evident, driving up the gross wages, uh, you know, and consequently inflation. I think this probably will take some time in terms of monetary policies or implementation lag to actually take effect. But to be fair, Jeremy, I mean, we are looking at, at these headline numbers in that sense. When we really dive into the strong labor market that we see, one would say it is about the kind of jobs that are available. But that aside, you know, with these data numbers that the Fed loves to look at, what are the rate high expectations for the 1st of February then? Sure. In terms of the Fed fund futures rate right now, it's actually pricing in a 75 basis, uh, basically a, a 75% chance of a 25 basis point rate uh-huh. hike. Okay. This uh, February's FOMC and also a 20, and only a 25% chance of a 50 basis point rate high. So I think the terminal rate uh, will probably reach that 5.1% that the Federal Reserve's governors are guiding on the dot plot over the next two to three FOMC. And thereafter, the interest rates will probably stay higher for longer throughout the rest of the year. For us, we do not see, uh, you know, the the Fed uh, will actually pivot for the rest of the year in terms of uh, that reduction of, uh, you know, uh, the interest rates. I think they have clearly signaled their commitment uh, and their stance of the path of inflation towards 2%, and this is really still too far from its target. I think what we have seen is that the labor numbers in terms of the uh, non-farm payrolls and the average hourly earnings are actually being interpreted by the the market to be still too positive. And I think tonight's CPI print will continue to be a very important consideration for the upcoming FOMC's rate hike decisions. Yeah, let's turn our attention to try and understand, you know, um, the way the markets have reacted in the past couple of days. I mean, should we get good CPI numbers leading up to the Fed uh, interest rate decision? As you mentioned, there's that 75% chance that it'll be uh, just 25 basis points uh, rate hike. Um, Do you have any thoughts as to why the Nasdaq in particular has been reacting the best of uh, the indexes over the past few days? Yeah, in terms of our uh, overall expectations, I think we do think that 
for this year, uh, after the correction last year, I think we do see potentially uh, the S&P 500 or U.S. equity returns to post positive returns for the year with inflation moderating. I do think that, you know, investors have been, uh, you know, really shifting from growth towards value. They have been maintaining a defensive stance in terms of their asset allocation in U.S. equity mm. shifting towards value and quality factors, which is what is evidenced in the outperformance of the Dow versus, you know, the Nasdaq that has actually corrected by about 30% last year, uh, while the Dow has been more uh, relatively muted in terms of that decline, being, uh, you know, less correlated to that slowing economy. I think going forward, we do think that, you know, where the U-curve stands uh, right now, there has been an inversion of the U-curve uh, that will actually predicts that the U.S. will actually sink into a mild recession this year. So I think investors are all positioning their asset allocation to be more defensive as a result. In terms of overall equity market valuations right now, we do think that uh, it's still not inexpensive with the S&P 500 at 17 times PE. In light of the earnings downgrade or the profit recession that's coming in, I think it's uh, wise to continue to stay uh, defensive in terms of our overall asset allocation. I'm on the line this morning with Jeremy Tan, CIO of Tiger Brokers Singapore. Jeremy, I want to uh, turn the attention to China and uh, break it up into a few points, right? First, let's uh, broadly talk about uh, China's reopening. Um, what are your thoughts on the progress so far and the kind of implication it has for the Chinese economy? A lot of expectations that the second half of the year should be quite good for it. I think what we have seen is that the China reopening has really been fast-forwarded with the reopening of borders last weekend. I think visitors can right now uh, really enter China without any quarantines, uh, really dialing back on that zero-COVID policy. We do expect that, uh, you know, that the Chinese equity market or the Chinese economy will see really a, a very strong reversal in terms of debt recovery tailwind. However, I think cases at these junctures has been soaring despite the stop in the uh, reporting of the overall official cases, that has been actually putting a strain on, you know, healthcare system. And also, I think that will also be potentially a new breeding ground for uh, new variants to come. So I think in terms of first quarter, I think the recovery will unlikely to be linear. The, rec- uh, the economy will probably recover perhaps more meaningfully uh, from the second quarter or in the second half. I think what we can see is that uh, in terms of that V-shaped recovery are in terms of the tourism sector, I think that pent-up demand over the last three years that we have seen will really start to take place uh, during the Chinese New Year that's going to take place uh, over the next week. Yeah. yeah. Consumption and particularly high-end consumption will probably also benefit from that sharper revenge uh, spending uh, recovery that we've seen in other markets that have reopened mm-hmm. with a very high rate. Yeah, um, should be quite interesting as well. Probably will take a few months for this to sort of even out where you've got this uh, diplomatic tit for tat, you know, how Beijing has scrapped its vis-a-vis travel for South Korean and Japanese citizens because, you know, it's imposed on uh, Chinese citizens and vice versa. Let's look at some of the other catalysts that we can expect for China equities. Um, could you also comment on the timing of how China has announced, PBOC announcing that uh, the tech sector crackdown for the past two years is is now over. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Yes, if you look at, firstly, I think that there's still various tailwinds for the Chinese equities, given that previously the reopening target was actually in the second quarter or the second uh, half. I think right now that reopening has already been fast-tracked forward all the way to January. 
I think given that yeah. the Chinese economy is expected to recover from 3.5 percent in 2022 to 5% in 2023. I think the other tailwinds or catalysts that we have seen uh, for China equities is that the world is probably over in terms of a harsh regulatory uh, mm-hmm. crackdown on the tech or education sector we have seen, mm-hmm. you know, the financial really started to recapitalize their balance sheet already. Uh, other uh, catalysts that we are seeing also is that post last year, I think the uh, the we have already seen that there has already been a lot of policy, a set of 16 policies that have been dished out to help developers to recover. Um, that will probably sh- uh, potentially show up the confidence of the real estate sector probably gradually in terms of that correction of price and volume that we have seen last year. The real estate sector has been a very important building block for GDP growth recovery, accounting for about one quarter of China GDP. And lastly, I think the POBOC will continue to remain quite accommodative this year, and that will really help uh, the overall credit growth momentum for China. And this is probably positive for overall China equities going forward. Wow, that's very well put. Thank you so much for taking the time to help me out. I've been speaking with Jeremy Tan, CIO Tiger Brokers Singapore. Uh, Jeremy, thanks again. Have a great day ahead. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.